0: man. Thanks Josh. So we've got to week three of our paparazzi series and just a quick recap on that. We're looking at the book of James uh, in the New Testament. We're taking a a chapter every week. We've got week four next week then we've got a couple of weeks uh, break and we're going to be rounding off uh, with the fifth chapter. We've covered uh, all kinds of things and if you've been reading along, maybe you've uh, read ahead, um, you'll know that each chapter is not particularly long. You can read it um, pretty quickly. Um, But we're looking at this idea based on uh, paparazzi. What's it like to live out your faith in a world where everyone is watching? And This morning uh, in chapter 3, I want you to kind of change that thought a little bit uh, not um that the world is watching everything that you do but we've kind of said it is anyway but the world is listening turn to the person next to you and say the world is listening The world is listening through your Samsung uh, TVs, we found out this week. Um, But do you know what? I find it really funny that people are complaining. There there were two news items that kind of came next to each other this week, one after the other. The first one was a really kind of like celebratory one that on our security services, amazing that they have foiled 13 terror attacks in the UK over the last couple of years. And everybody was saying, this is brilliant. This is fantastic. The next day, we were up in arms because our security services were listening in on people to make sure they weren't doing something wrong. Anyway, I don't know about you, I've got nothing to hide uh, so they can have my phone if they want and have a look. I think the people that are worried are the people who've got something to hide. But there we go. Anyway, so the world is listening. Okay, one thing... The paparazzi, we talked about, they love to get those terrible photos. They catch you when your eyes are half closed, so you look drunk, so you look like you've been uh, having a terrible time. The thing that they love to go alongside those terrible pictures is a nice, juicy quote. Okay, a quote that sums you up at your absolute worst. They get a sound bite. They take every good thing that you say and they take the one little bit that maybe comes out wrong or you kind of said in the heat of the moment and that ends up being what you are remembered for. You're remembered for your mistakes. You're remembered for the times you mess up when things don't go right. If you have been on the internet This week, you have probably already seen what I am going to show you. This poor professor, okay, who has spent all this time studying the political situation in Korea, is called upon for his wisdom and his knowledge about Korea. All we are going to remember is this. If one child wasn't enough and then <laughs> i don't know if it's mom or childminder <laughs> and then that beautiful bit when she shuts the door it just reminded me of that bit when people get up from their pew in in church and Uh, To make sure people can't see them, they go like this. (laughs) Anyway, okay. Right, wonderful. But this guy, he's going to be remembered for the time it went wrong. Uh, That is going to be this lasting memory of him. The number of people that I've seen that have shared that clip. Everybody's seen it. Everybody is laughing at this guy for that moment. Wow. Okay, so... Let's get on to the book of James. Uh, we're going to start with uh, chapter 3, verse 1. If you've got um, the Bible on your phone, uh, if you've got your phone and you've got the internet, uh, you can get it up and kind of look through this. Uh, if you've got something to take notes, we talked about that, um, you can look at that. Right, it says this. Uh, it's a bit of a warning uh, to me, and a bit of a kick to all the preachers, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we you teach will be judged more strictly. Okay, first of all, right, We, when we stand up and we say things, and we talk about stuff, and we say what we think, we're going to get judged on it. It's a hard place to be sometimes. But we need to... Uh, be a people who still step out and say what we need to say. Uh, James, he sets up this next section that he's talking about uh, a little bit sarcastically, uh, if, uh, if I'm kind of getting him right here. In James three two, he says, We all stumble in many ways. And then he says this, Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check, okay, anyone who is never at fault in what they say, hands up if you are never at fault in what you say, no one apart from um, a couple at the back, Chris is trying to put his hands up, but you know, then he was getting wrestled to the ground, All Right? okay, okay, Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is obviously perfect, says James, right? Because if you can keep control of what you say, that's one of the hardest things, okay? You must be able to keep your whole body in check. You must be able to keep your whole life lined up perfect if you can keep control all the time in what you say, if everything you say is completely perfect. James is basically saying that the tongue, okay, and what we say and how we speak... Is the key to the whole body. What we say, what comes out of our mouths, the things that people hear when the world is listening, are a reflection on who we are. Okay, he goes on uh, in James uh, 3 3 and 4. He says this When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Okay, again, he's trying to give you a picture. He's trying to give you an image of what the tongue is like, what it's like when we speak, what our words are like. They're This, this rudder that steers our whole ship. Okay, they're that small piece of metal that goes on attached to the reins of a horse that means they can be moved in whatever direction you want, as long as you've kind of learnt how to do that. My sister didn't learn how to do that and broke her shoulder when a horse was scared by the wind. All right, okay, All right. okay. I've seen people who who cannot control a horse. Ruth. It's very, very good at horse riding. She used to have her own horse, okay? Other people, uh, it seems that the horse is going wherever it wants to anyway. You've got to be able to control that bit uh, that turns it. But you know what? Small things make a massive difference. They really, really do. If you don't think that something small can make a big difference, then you have never had a stone in your shoe when you walk in, right? A tiny, tiny bit of stone, okay, can make a massive difference if it's in your shoe and underneath your foot. Okay, great philosopher, um, Kelly Jones from the Stereophonics. Okay, he writes uh, in the song, A Thousand Trees, it only takes uh, one tree to make a thousand matches, it only takes one match to burn a thousand trees. Okay, right. And he takes one tree to make a thousand matches. We well, could probably make more than a thousand matches, but we for the sake of the song we'll leave it there. Only takes one match to burn a thousand trees. Tiny things can make a huge difference. Okay. The things that we say, the things that come from our mouth, can make a massive, massive difference. See, maybe uh, Stereophonics uh, had been reading the book of James uh, in verse 5, where it says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Well, James gets pretty kind of straight to the point at some points in this, uh, in this book, doesn't he? But our tongue, okay? It's like having a lighter out at a petrol station sometimes, okay? It's like kind of walking with a candle through a dynamite factory, okay? It's like just kind of having one of those like little kind of spark-making things if you're in like, the, the gas works, okay? Our tongue can just set stuff off, the things that we say. Sometimes that tiny part, like I was talking about before, that tiny part of what we say, can really cause something to just burn, cause devastation, cause this massive explosion, and we don't know what's going on. It's here in James as a warning. It is a warning, but... Maybe we can also learn from the other side of that, that if we've got the right kind of fire in what we say, then our tongue is capable of starting the right kind of fire, okay? Another great modern philosopher, Ellie Golden, um, okay, she wrote the song Burn, well, she didn't write the song Burn, but... It was some other people who wrote the song Burn when I had a look, right? But it says this, we don't have to worry about nothing because we've got the fire and we're burning one hell of a something. They're going to see us from outer space, light it up like we're the stars of the human race. When the lights turn down, they don't know what they heard. Strike the match, play it loud, giving love to the world. We'll be raising our hands, shining up to the sky because we've got the fire and we're going to let it burn. You know what? Sometimes we, we've listened to that song. Sometimes we're like, you know, it talks about, you know, maybe it wasn't meant to, but it kind of talks about worship in a lot of ways, and it mirrors uh, what it's like when we worship God. This idea that uh, we can strike this match, this fire, play it loud, uh, just with our hands raised to the sky. We got a fire, and we're going to let it burn. Okay, people, the things that we say can be destructive, but also can set The right kind of fire. The world is listening. James 3, uh, 9 to 10 goes on to say this. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. You know what, the negative things that we speak and the things that come out of our mouths that, that aren't good, that don't build people up, that just break them down instead. The things that come out that are sometimes an expression of our frustration or our, or our anger, if it's not in a constructive sense. They can taint everything else that comes out of our mouth. Those sound bites, those, those little chunks... The things that we wish that we hadn't said start to devalue uh, the good things that we say. They devalue our worship. They devalue our faith when we talk to people. People start to look at us and they, they just take that little thing that we said and they use it to kind of strike off. All the things that we've uh, talked about, about how God's uh, our salvation, how we we put our trust in him, how God transforms us. And we believe that as Christians, that God comes in and his Holy Spirit transforms our lives. But when we curse in human beings, as, as James puts it, who are created in God's image, and then using that same mouth, that same tongue to praise him. Kind are of we causing a problem? He goes on, verse 11, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Amazing, if we're looking at these negative things as the salt water, and the good things that come over of our mouth as fresh water... You know, if you add any amount of salt water to fresh water, it becomes salt water. Okay, the concentration might be less, but it's still salt water. You put salt water in with fresh water and what you've got is salt water. You never put fresh water in with salt water and get fresh water. Because the salt is there. The two things don't work. Uh, It says you can't grow an olive on fig trees, okay? Okay can't grow figs on a grapevine we've planted uh, a wonderful coppice out there we've had funding uh from uh the uh national woodland trust okay to plant that we did anticipate that the trees might be a little bit bigger than they are when they arrived but they all fitted in one bucket in the office it's going to be a while before they grow to the height where you can hide behind one of those trees all right okay um a couple of people were quite impressed as they went past as a glance. They were impressed with the height of the canes that we have put in to stop you treading on the trees. All right, okay. All right. But in the midst of that, there is an olive tree. Okay, that was planted uh, in here and taken outside because we thought it was dead, and then it survived, and Josh has now planted it, and he's now again worried that he's going to die. Um, right But that olive tree, if it lives, is uh, you know, it might grow olives if we have a really nice, uh, hot summer, uh, but it's never going to grow a nectarine, okay It's never going to grow a coconut. Libby wanted some coconut trees. not going to happen. right Okay, Something. That is one thing, cannot produce something that is completely different. If we drink salt water, okay, it will make us sick. Okay, you can't drink salt water. It's that massive thing, isn't it, that they always talk about in survival programs. You get somebody stuck at sea, all this water around, water everywhere, not a drop to drink. You can't drink it because it's too salty. Your kidneys can't deal with it. Uh, And uh, basically, you can't produce urine to get rid of the salt out of your body and you poison yourself, okay? Right, so that fresh water becoming salty is no good for us. What we are on the inside will eventually find its way to the outside. It's up to us that if we realise that there are things that are coming out of our mouth which are tainting the majority of the good things, right then maybe we need to take a look inside and we need to take a look at why some of those things are coming out, whether there's certain beliefs and certain things that we're holding on to which are tainting what is coming out. Okay, we need to ask God to change us. That's the amazing thing. We haven't got to do this on our own. We do this through the strength of God and His Holy Spirit works in us to change us and to, to sort out those problems on the inside that are coming out. Okay. We can ask God to make us wise. Okay? To give us uh wisdom. Wisdom is one of the most amazing, precious gifts that we can ever receive. Okay, James goes on in this next section um, to talk about wisdom. And he talks about two types of wisdom. James 3.13, he says this, Who is wise and understanding amongst you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Okay, if you're wise, if you've been given the gift of wisdom, then use it. Use that wisdom to make sure that your life shows something good. Use that wisdom to make life better for other people. Okay, to do good deeds in humility. Use use that wisdom. But it gives us a warning. Uh, In verse 14, But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Do you know what the world will tell us? the world will tell us that it's all about you okay it's all about finding yourself it's all about bettering yourself it's all about what you can get the world tends to measure success by the amount of money that's in our bank account by our job titles by the car that we drive by the house that we live in by the the clothes that we wear Okay, the world will tell you that wisdom is something that you have to know how to get to that kind of place. To get to that place where you've got everything that everybody wants. But if our motivation is about self and our motivation is about getting what we can get, that's where we start to get these things. We get envy. Okay, we start to put other people down. We start to climb over other people to get where we want to. Okay, you see it in, in films, but you see it in business that, that sometimes the, the ladder that you use to get to the top is other people and you just step on them as you're on the way. Now, the other type of wisdom that James talks about is heavenly wisdom. He says this in verse 17, "But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere." And we have to ask the question then, if we want wisdom, what is our motivation? What is our motivation? Is it for ourselves? Is it to get something for ourselves or is it to prefer the needs of others? Because that kind of thing wins. Preferring the needs of others wins. Being pure, being considerate, submissive. That's a word that our culture doesn't really like. Being submissive. Okay, putting yourself lower. Than somebody else. The world will say, How's that wisdom to make yourself lower than someone else? But it talks about these things being impartial, sincere, being authentic, actually just meaning what you say and saying what you mean. Can we have a wisdom that is like that? A wisdom that comes from heaven. Do you know what? I like that phrase, the wisdom that comes from heaven. Okay, not the wisdom that you get, not the wisdom you pick up, but the wisdom that comes from heaven. Okay, as a gift, that wisdom. Some of it seems pretty stupid when you match it up against the world's idea of wisdom. And in fact, if we jump out of James into, into 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verse 18. It says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. The message of the cross, the message of Jesus. This idea that Jesus uh, was sent by Father God to stand in our place, This idea that we were separated from God by sin. Not the fact that God was being picky and he was saying you're not good enough, but because God's so amazing and so pure and mighty that sin can't exist in his presence. So if he wants to have a relationship with us, he's got to get rid of it. He sent his son and he took that sin upon himself and it was dealt with once and for all. But that message can seem foolish to some people. It's upside down. Why would you put yourself in somebody else's place when you've done nothing wrong? Why would you take on all the stuff that other people have done wrong? Take on that punishment yourself. That seems foolish. 1 Corinthians 1, going on in verse 26 to 31, it says, Brothers and sisters, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. It's because of Him that you're in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it's written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. We were warned. Earlier in James, not to boast about our selfish, selfish ambition. We boast about what God has done, about this upside down wisdom that the kingdom of God brings about. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel very wise. Sometimes I feel quite a fool. So it's a comfort to know that God chose the foolish things to shame the wise. Sometimes I don't feel very strong, but God tells me that he chose the weak to shame the strong. He chose those, those lowly things, the despised things, and sometimes as a church we're despised By people. As the church uh, around the world, people don't understand what we're doing. They think, as we've read, it's foolishness. When we take a stand on certain things, even in love, people will take out of context the small things that we say and pick on certain things. And we despised as followers of Jesus all around the world, people are having to meet in secret today because if they found worshiping, if they found attending church, if they found professing a faith in Jesus, they'll be killed for it. God has chosen us the lowly things, the despised things. To shame everything that the world thinks is wisdom. Because Jesus has become our wisdom. A gift from God. If we follow that example that he gave us. We can live a life that that looks more like him. That looks like justice. That looks like mercy. That looks like feeding the poor. That looks like uh, healing the sick. That looks like seeing lives transformed, that sees people uh, come to a place of love, that sees people know that they're loved and they're valued. Because Jesus has become our righteousness, Jesus has become our holiness, and Jesus has become our redemption. Okay, He's paid that price so that we can be back in relationship. With the Father God that we were designed to be with. The world is listening to everything that we say. The world is ready to take sound bites from your worst moments and replay them on YouTube, like that poor bloke on his BBC interview. What do we want? the snapshots and the sound bites of our life to say. If we really want God to change our hearts so that what's on the inside finds its way out, the less of us, the less of the mess that remains and the more that is transformed into the likeness of Jesus that is in there, the more of that is going to find its way out. The harder it's going to be for people to take what we say, and let it taint the words that we speak about Jesus, the good words that we speak into people's lives. Let's just pray. Let's just give this to God.